0: Father we thank you Lord we give you all the praise We give you all the glory We thank you because today is the day that you have made We rejoice and be glad in today Father we thank you for the presence of your spirit Both in us and amongst us this afternoon Lord as we go into your word today We thank you for the outpouring of the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of yourself. The eyes of our understanding being enlightened that we may know what is the hope of our calling and what the riches of the glory of our inheritance in the saints in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you because we come against every spirit of distraction right now. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we declare a conducive environment for the free flow of the spirit of wisdom and revelation in our midst today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Hallelujah. Just turn that thing on. Praise the Lord Praise the Lord You're welcome once again to our seminar today Which is uh, Walking in the Miraculous Walking in the Miraculous Hallelujah We have three sessions that we're going to go through today And I'd just like to give you a quick Um, overview of what we are going to be sharing uh, this morning and this afternoon. Hallelujah. So we've got the title of the seminar, Working in the Miraculous. Uh, The first session is God's Word as the Seed for the Miraculous. So that's the first session that we're going to be taking And the next one is uh, Ministering unto the Lord And the next one is Walking in the steps of faith So the first one has to do with An introduction of God's word As the principal seed That gets us to walk in the miraculous And then the second session Has to do with um, Teaching us on how Ministering unto the Lord will place us in the right environment for the flow of the miraculous. And the third session has to do with the sort of steps that we are going to take in faith that will ensure that we receive the miraculous into our lives. Amen. So those are the three uh, major sessions that we are going to be having today. Because of our time, we're going to uh, have a quick run-through of the first session And then we'll do some catching up uh, in the second um, session Hallelujah So the first one is God's word as the seed for the miraculous Before we go into that, I just want to um, give us uh, like an introduction of, of the theme of this seminar which is uh, working in the Miraculous. Now Christianity is a place where your effectiveness is not measured by Just what you say. Or by. How you appear. To people. But your effectiveness. Is measured. By the impact. Of God. Upon your life. That's what impact. Does God. And his kingdom. Have over your personal life. When I say impact. Impact. As in, if you come into the things of God in a particular way, in what way do you end up? Is there a transformation? Is there a notable change? Hallelujah. And people are searching for answers today. They are asking questions that they've read about things in the Bible. They've read stories in the Old Testament and people are asking questions today that if the God who was the God of the people who operated in this Old Testament or even operated in the New Testament and even during the days of the Acts of Apostles is the same God that I have been told is dwelling on the inside of me then how come Things don't appear to have changed or to have improved in any way, shape or form in my life today. How come I am still counting my results exactly the same way that someone else without the knowledge of God is counting his results? Hallelujah. So those kind of questions begin to come up in people's minds. That if indeed Jesus rose from the dead How come I am still like this In a place where I don't even have a clue As to how the situations of my life are going to change Hallelujah And those kind of questions begin to come up And those are the sort of things that I asked A lot earlier on in my Christian life, that what is this life all about? If it's just a case of proclaiming something and telling people that, yes, this is who I am and that's all there is to it, then of what use? Hallelujah. But here we're talking about a God who comes into your life and then changes begin to show up in different areas, various areas of your life. One step here today and one step here tomorrow. Hallelujah. So that's what we're talking about. So when we say we want to learn about how to walk in the miraculous, we are coming to learn about how we can bring in and apply the Word of God To force a change in our circumstances today. Hallelujah. Lazarus died. And everybody was crying. Everyone was weeping. And Jesus came on the scene. And by the power of God, he forced a change. Hallelujah. And Lazarus came up from the dead. When Peter and John were walking into the temple to pray. Now, it is good enough that we can, uh, we can give arms to the poor. I mean, it's something very noble. It's something very commendable that as Christians, when we see people who are disabled, who are less privileged, and we have the means in our power to bless them with, we should go ahead and do so. But on this particular occasion, this man was looking up to Peter and John for a financial blessing. And then they gave him the shocker of his life. They said to him, silver and gold we have none, But such as we have, we give unto you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Hallelujah. Now begin to get a clue for what these guys did. He says, Such as I have, I give unto thee. So it meant that they had something. Hallelujah. It meant that they had something. They knew they had something, and they also knew that they had something. Hallelujah. And they also knew the efficacy of what they had. They knew the power of what they had. Because they could have easily escaped by giving him money and walking away. But they confronted that situation on that particular day in the face. And they said in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But then when you look at these occurrences in the Bible You begin to Then you also look at the time frame You begin to wonder that Okay, this happened like um, 1,900 years ago Or 2,000 years ago Or over 2,000 years ago What about today? Can things still happen in my life today? Can things still change in my life today? Are there situations in my life today that are not going the way I expect them to go or the way that I wish them to go or the way that I want them to go? And is there anything at all that can be done about this? That is how we bring in the miraculous. The miraculous, simply speaking, is God stepping in or the power of God being introduced to solve a crisis. Hallelujah. The power of God being introduced to solve a crisis. And we're going to go through places in scriptures where people had crises, And we're going to see what they did to address these crisis situations. But you will notice something about the scriptures that not too many people who were operating in the power of God sat back and accepted their adverse situations as impossible to deal with. There are stories of people who prayed. There are stories of people who walked by faith for many years Until a change was forced through Into the realm of the physical Hallelujah And that is what we are here to study But the way we are going to introduce this Is by going to the story of the resurrection Because anything that is going to produce power In our Christianity must definitely and first of all be traced to jesus christ jesus christ is the author and the finisher of our faith hallelujah jesus christ is the one who actually paid the price with his life for our salvation and not only that jesus christ walked on the earth walking miracles but before he left he told the disciples He says greater works than this will you do because I go unto my father. And where is Jesus now? He has gone to his father. So it means that whatever we read of him in the gospels we definitely we definitely are in a position to do as believers. And these are things that we are going to Begin to look into step by step For the rest um, of this seminar Hallelujah Let's turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 27 Matthew chapter 27 Matthew chapter 27 And we're going to begin to trace patterns in the Bible And things in the Bible That leave us a clue As to how We can indeed walk in the miraculous. Matthew chapter 27. I'll start reading from verse 50. Now this was the point. At which Jesus Christ. Was already hanging on the cross. Here he was hanging on the cross. And he was about to die. And there were certain events. There were certain events. That we need to note. About Jesus Christ here. Let's turn to verse fifty. He says, "Jesus, when he had cried again, Matthew twenty-seven fifty. Jesus, when he had cried again, with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost." So, when he said he yielded up the ghost, it meant that he died. So, at that point. Jesus Christ died. But then we are going to see some profound lessons here. Now, as soon as Jesus Christ died, a series of events took place. It says, And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to the bottom. And the earth did quake and the rocks rent And the graves were opened And many bodies of the saints which slept arose And came out of the graves after his resurrection And went into the holy city and appeared unto many Now when the centurion and they that were with him Watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. So we're going to look at these events and begin to draw our spiritual lessons from here. He said from verse 51, just shortly after he died, he said, And behold, The veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom and the earth did quake and the rocks rent. So the first thing that happened as soon as Jesus died on the cross was that somewhere else apart from where he was hanging ...somewhere in the temple... ...the veil... ...that covered... ...the holiest of all... ...the veil that blocked the access... ...to the holiest of all... ...was rent into two... ...now before that day... ...nobody... ...had the right... ...to... ...go... ...past that veil... To see what was happening there. Except the high priest. And the high priest could only go in there... Once in a year. Only once in a year... The high priest could go in there. Any other day... You were not allowed to go there. But on this particular day... As soon as Jesus Christ gave up the ghost that veil tore from top to bottom. And it that meant that access was now made available to all of us to go into the holiest of all. Now, that veil tearing down from top to bottom was a type of us being granted access Into the actual holiest of all Because everything that was built on the earth On the tabernacle Was a type Of what already existed in heaven Hallelujah But as soon as that veil opened It meant that all of us now had access We could see what was behind the veil We could interact with what was behind the veil But if you then begin to ask yourself What What essentially is the purpose Of me having Access to the things that are Behind the veil Why do I need it Of what use is it To me Okay the veil has been rent Into two Everything is open We can go in there But to do what Of what benefit is it Telling me that the veil is now rent into twain, and then the holiest of all is open for me to come. We're going to look at that in the next few minutes. But let's just continue. He says, And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. The first result of the veil being rent into two and being opened was that people who had died a long time ago came out of their graves. Now, if you had a relative amongst them whom you knew had died, and you were sitting at home just three days after Jesus was crucified, and one of such relatives came to knock on the door, "Cope, cope, 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 cope! Hello there, how are you? Now, <laughs> now." Depending on what your threshold is You will either be scared Or you will be amazed Or you will be surprised Or you will take off Hallelujah Depending on who you are But one thing There is one common line amongst all of us Who would have that kind of experience Which is that we were not expecting it. Hallelujah. We were not expecting it. It was beyond our wildest imagination. Hallelujah. And it was the activity of God. How is it possible for me to piece up someone who had died 50 years before that time? And then make him appear in a recognizable form to his relatives. How is that humanly possible? Someone who has been buried 50 years before that time. They covered his grave. And the Bible says that he came out of his grave. You see the Bible was specific. He came out of his grave and went to show himself to his own people. So it means that the death of Jesus Christ opened the door for us into resurrection power. Jesus Christ was praying. He says, if it be thy will, let this cup pass over. So it meant that Jesus Christ was looking at death in front of him and was asking Jesus that is there any other way in which we can come into resurrection power Without going through death And ladies and gentlemen There was no other way So he embraced the death Of the cross Now Jesus Christ died for us Only once And then he rose from the dead But you see by doing that He opened the door For all of us To be able to partake Of resurrection power He was the only one who died But when he died People began to rise from their graves People began to rise from their graves Here and there And they went to show themselves to their relatives So you see That the tearing of the veil From top to bottom Is an indication That resurrection power Is now available to us Hallelujah and then you begin to ask yourself What do I want resurrection power To achieve in my life today? If I, ha- if I could channel resurrection power Into my life today What will I direct it against? Hallelujah And then we are going to continue with this introduction Remember we said that The veil was rent into twain Which meant that access Was now available to us It's like everything that the high priest was doing Was in a year That we were not allowed to interact with We are now now able to interact with such things We are now able to come into the very inner presence of God As believers To obtain powerful results But we're going to read a story in the Old Covenant. And what this story will do to us is that it will give us some light. It will shed some light as to the kind of activity that could go on behind the veil. And how such an activity can affect our lives. Because it's not just enough for me to say to you that... The veil is red from top to bottom. You can now go in. To do what? How does that affect my life? How does that affect my health? How does that affect my finances? How does that affect my personal life? How does that affect my children? Those are some of the things that we're going to be examining. How does that affect my welfare as a person? Because the Christianity that we are presenting to people. Must not only bring out the truth of God's word But must be able to show people How this word can be applied successfully into their lives Paul said that the kingdom of God is not just in word But it is also in power So you don't just speak about the kingdom of God But you also demonstrate the kingdom of God In fact, when Nicodemus came to Jesus, Nicodemus began the discussion by saying that no one can do these things that you are doing except God be with him. He didn't say no one can say what you are saying. He said no one can do. So it means that there was a demonstration of something. And Nicodemus said, Nobody can demonstrate these things that you are demonstrating except God be with him. Hallelujah. So what we are talking about here is a life that produces results. We are talking about results here. Tangible results. So that's what we are going to study in the Old Testament. Hallelujah. Remember I said to you, that only the high priest could go within the veil. And he could only go once in a year. So after that once in a year, if he went on another day, he will die. Because he was not supposed to go there. They were under the law. He will die. If you were not a high priest, on whatever day of the year you choose, go there, you won't come out alive. In fact, the high priest when he was going, just to be sure, that you know things go okay and if things don't go okay they have a way of retrieving him they will tie something to his garment like a rope and that rope will go all the way out of that place into the outside so, and he has bells attached to his garment so when he's moving around and doing things you'll be hearing the sounds of those bells cling, cling, cling. Gling, 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 gling. You'll be hearing the sound of those bells But the moment he stops moving For a while I think someone should help me direct uh, People who are coming in towards there. Once you stop hearing those sounds For a while It means that something has gone wrong The guy has stopped moving And then you are not allowed To go in there To go and fetch his dead body You actually have to use a rope To pull him out If something had happened to him So that was how serious The matter was It was not a joking place at all And things had to be done correctly Or else The sins of the people Will not be properly remitted Hallelujah So I'm going to check through um, A few places in the Old Testament To see what happened We're going to be looking a little bit at the book of Esther. Now, the book of Esther is a very unique book. It's unique in the sense that if you read the book of Esther from start to finish, the name of God was not mentioned in that book. I mean, this is one of the few places. Where the identity of God Was not mentioned All we read about Is a bunch of people Who are God's people And those people were Operating in a foreign land A land that did not Belong to them Hallelujah And that's the way we are today It's like you are believers We are We have been filled with the Spirit of God. Jesus is dwelling on the inside of us. But we are walking around in a world that is totally oblivious of who we are all about and what we are all about. Hallelujah. And you see, the way these people operated in the book of Esther, if you study it well and you can draw your spiritual lessons out of it, there is no secular environment today that you will not be able to conquer with the power of God. Hallelujah. The book of Esther is a book that I read from when I was facing stiff challenges you know, in my office and in my career. And I studied it. I looked at it. I learned from it. And the lessons I drew that book they helped me immensely and they were able to show me that indeed you can control the outward from the inward hallelujah the book of Esther showed me that you can control the outward from the inward in such a way that the people who are in touch with the outward, will not even have a clue as to what you are doing. Hallelujah. You know, many times when we want to get into the things of God, we do it in such a way that we disturb everybody, we harass everybody around us, and at some point, it's almost like people then begin to, you know, sort of like make fun of you, make jest of you, and then, oops, if you don't get it right, then everybody starts laughing at you. But when you go through the book of Esther, you will see a generation of people who put the things of God to work, and yet, people were not completely aware of their identity and the identity of the God that was on the inside of them. And yet, they produced a testimony that was very powerful. That testimony was not only powerful, but it, it also set a pace. You see, the day that Haman was supposed to hang on of them, which God turned around in their favor... Became a day of celebration So they celebrate that day Every year That if not for God Who stepped on the scene They would have been exterminated So when you read the book of Esther It looks so ordinary it looks so secular But yet There are things that are hidden Inside that book That when God opens your eyes to see You'll see that that the Bible could never have been complete without the book of Esther. Hallelujah. But because of our time, I'm gonna you know do some crash stuff and then as we go on we'll pick selective places in the book of Esther to read, you know, to get our things across. Like I said to you, there was no mention of the name of God in the book of Esther. When you get to read it and see if anyone referred to God or to Jehovah or to Elohim in that place. There was no reference and it was for a reason. Now, we're going to look at characters in the book of Esther and then we'll map those characters... ...to what is going on in our own lives today. Remember Esther was... ...a lady... ...who came on the scene... ...after the king had fired his wife. You know for... ...some strange reason. And then they now got women... ...in that domain... ...to come together... ...for what I would call a beauty contest. And... ...within that environment... There was a particular woman called Esther who had been raised by her uncle called Mordecai. So Mordecai was the mentor of Esther. Right? And Mordecai was someone who gave general direction to Esther as things were going on. Esther was the one who was in the forefront. Esther was the one who was known by the king. Esther was the person who was known by royalty. But Mordecai sort of like stayed in the background and was, you know, pulling a few strings. That, all right, Esther, you do this, you do that, you do this, you do that. So we could see the effect of what Mordecai was saying in what Esther was doing. Hallelujah. So we are going to map the character of Mordecai to the character of the Holy Ghost who is on the inside of us. The Holy Ghost is speaking to us. Telling us what to do. And yet as we take those steps, people cannot see the Holy Ghost. But they can see the effects of what we are doing as we respond to the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, we're going to map the character of Esther to the personality of the church. So, the Holy Spirit is guiding us individually in the church and also collectively. And then again, we're going to map the character of Haman to the devil. In fact, in the book of Esther, Haman was referred to as the adversary. And under the New Testament, we know who the adversary is. So I don't think we need to struggle with that. Haman was a type of the devil. And by his mission also, you will not have a problem believing that Haman was the devil. Because Haman was out to destroy the Jews. And John 10.10, Jesus said that he has come to give us life... And to give us life more abundantly. But Satan had come to steal. To kill. And to destroy. So we see that Haman. Maps perfectly to Satan. Hallelujah. And the king. Maps to God. Because the king was like the central figure. Now. There are things that. I am going to tell you. About the king, especially when we get into a place where Mordecai and Hester were trying to reverse something that Haman had done. Now, this is how the story started loosely. Mordecai was someone who was not going to bow to Haman. Using today's terminology, he was not going to lick his boots, he just sat there, you know, in defiance. Because of who he was. And because of the God that was on the inside of him. Same thing, the Holy Spirit is God. He's not going to bow to anyone. Hallelujah. And that's why, as a believer, when you walk into a place, especially a place that is secular, there are certain things that you just can't do with them. Because of the person that is on the inside of you. So, at some point, no matter how nice you are, you are going to be confronted. (laughs) That, excuse me, why don't you go to the pub with us? And at that point, you would, why don't you get drunk with us? At that point, you would have to say to them who you are. (laughs) You understand? But let's go on. Now, this is what Haman did. Haman went to the king to secure a decree. And what was that decree? The decree was to exterminate the Jews. Now, in those days when you go get a decree, it's not something that is done for fun. It's not something that is done, you know, casually. When he got that decree to exterminate the Jews, the king took off his ring to seal that decree. Now, what it meant is that when the king took off his ring to seal that decree, it meant that it wasn't going to be reversed. It meant that the king can't wake up tomorrow and then say that oh, Actually, I made a mistake. I think I want to change my mind. It's not like the transactions you go through today where they give you a cooling period. That after 14 days, if you don't like this thing again, then you take it back. There was no cooling period. He gave his ring, and that was the sign of authority. The sign of the that's, that kingdom was putting its weight behind that decision that it is irrevocable and it is never going to change. And based on that, Haman took off and went to all the provinces to spread the news that look, on so and so day, we're going to kill these guys and we're going to get rid of them. Hallelujah. He then went to his family and they said to him that, boy, we're doing good, man. You know what next we're going to do now? Let's dig a grave for that guy, Mordecai. And let's construct uh, some equipment that we're going to use in hanging. him. We're going to do that. So they put the gallows together. Everything was all cast in stone. Everything was rock solid. It definitely was going to happen if you were living in that day there was absolutely no way it would have entered into your mind that that thing was not going to happen hallelujah it was going to happen it's just the same way someone is on a death row for instance and then they've gone through all the appeal stages and all those appeals failed Now, the day the last appeal fails, even believers will stop praying and just say, Okay, I think we've done our best now, and just back off (laughs) hallelujah! Because at that point, men have agreed that it is irreversible, and this is what happened there the situation was irreversible, it doesn't change. No one could have gone to beg the king to say, Ah, king, this is what happened. You know, please, you know, you must have made a mistake. There is no such thing. It is settled. Hallelujah. And when Mordecai detected this, now the king didn't know that Esther was a Jew, he didn't know that he was married to a Jew. So when Mordecai saw that this was what was going to happen, he approached Esther. And said to Esther Esther Please can you go Into the inner presence The inner chamber Of the king To obtain a reversal Of this decree for us And there was something Esther said Esther said look The king is in the Inner court doing something And except He asks you to come you don't go in there. If you go in there, you die. So there is absolutely no way I can break this protocol and go in there to transact business with him. So I can't go. Sorry. And then Mordecai said, look, you have to go. Because if you don't go and get this decree reversed, all of us We are in trouble So you just have to go So Esther said Okay if you want us to go What you are going to do is this Make sure That you back me up With prayer and fasting And then I will go in there Hallelujah Remember I said to you That the king Was a type of God the supreme authority over that land but then let's begin to ask a question here a situation was obtained by Haman um, a decree was obtained by Haman against the people of God and it had the involvement of the king remember it had the involvement of the king because the king was told about it and the king said yes go ahead And the king took off his ring to put his authority behind it. There are situations in your life today. It was Haman who started it. There are situations you are facing today that are wrong. It was Haman who started it. But because of the way those situations are cleverly arranged... And because maybe due to the time that you have spent battling against those situations, you are then beginning to entertain a thought, and that thought is wrong, that could God be involved in this? Going by the way things have been turning out since I started facing this situation. So there was the involvement of the king in that situation Which is a type of us erroneously thinking That God must have had an involvement in this situation And yet he didn't Hallelujah It was Haman who started it It was Haman who started the situation and it wasn't, if, it wasn't something being done for fun. It was something being done to completely crush the Jews. So there are situations today that they are uncomfortable. They are uncomfortable. They are not nice. But it was Haman who started those situations. And because he got the decree from the king. So it was like it appeared to have an involvement of the king but it wasn't the king it was haman whatever you are faced with today that is wrong it was haman who started it don't allow the enemy to lie to you that god was involved in it hallelujah we have those teachings in several places that you know the person didn't get healed after all the prayers that it must have been what God wanted. Hallelujah. I remember we had a promotion that was pending at work. And when the list came out, my name was in there. My friend's name was in there. And we saw the list. My name was in there. His name was in there. And his first reaction was that this must be how God wanted it. Because we had prayed, we had agreed, we had spoken the word, and yet our names were missing from that list. So this must be how God wanted it. I know the moment he said that, I reacted Publicly, I said, no, this is not how God wanted it. This is how Satan wanted it. And this is going to change. Hallelujah. Why did he think that way? Because we had prayed, we had believed God, we had stood on the word. So if we then turned out that way, the guy just felt that... Definitely, this must have had the involvement of God. And that's what we see in the book of Esther. That operation appeared to have had the involvement of the king. And then the king was not going to violate his own laws. The same way God does not violate the laws of the spirit realm. Because if, if God violated laws Jesus didn't need to come All he just had to say was Sin forgiven," And that would have been it But because laws could not be violated He sent Jesus to come and die Hallelujah It is free Salvation is free Grace is free for us to receive But it wasn't free to be given Someone paid for it Hallelujah Someone paid for it. It cost someone something. Even though it's not costing us anything to receive it. Hallelujah. But let's go with the book of Esther. So the story got there. Mordecai now said to Esther that look. For us to change this situation. You will need to go into the holiest of all into the innermost presence of God that that's where you are going to go to obtain a reversal of this situation but if you check in the book of Esther that decree was obtained just outside just at the edge of the inner chamber of God not inside hallelujah hallelujah So what it meant is that Mordecai was telling Hester, you have to go inside to do something to get the outside to change and respond. Every situation that you are going through today that started with Aman is on the outside. is on the outside. Hallelujah, is on the outer court. Sickness is on the outer court. Depression is on the outer court. All those things are on the outside. But on the inside you have access into the holiest of all. To engage the forces of the spirit. The forces of the word. The tables of the covenant. To engage all those items. Right in the presence of God. And when you come out. What is on the outside. Will have to change. To conform to what you have done. On the inside. The solution to what a man had done. Could not be found on the outer court. So that was why it was important for Esther to make her way into the presence of the king. Hallelujah. And that's our introduction. And what happened? Fasting was going, praying was going, and then Esther made her move. When Esther got there, she made her move without the king inviting her to come in. So she broke protocol. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. She made a move. She went in there. And the king said come. In fact up to half of my kingdom. If you ask. I will give you. And when Esther got there. Esther did not waste time. She said I have come. For the letters of Haman. To be reversed. That's what Satan was doing outside. I have come on the inside to get it reversed it appeared that situation was casting stone it appeared it was formidable it appeared it wasn't going to change hallelujah I'll give you an example of a situation that was proving tough when Paul was in a ship in Acts 27 and they were going to set sail guess what he told these guys I perceive that there's going to be danger on this voyage. Don't go. The guys looked at the clouds. Meteorological office. Hmm. It's. Yeah. We're good to go. Come on. Let's go. And they went. When they got to a point where it wasn't going to be easy to return, the clouds just changed. And then the rain started. There is no record that all these guys on the ship were born again. But there is record that they fasted. (laughs) Do you understand? They knew they were in trouble. When an unsaved guy begins to fast, you know that trouble has come. They knew they were in trouble. They were praying, they were fasting, they were doing all sorts. They were throwing their stuff into the water. And the guy who narrated the story said something that, wrote something I would never forget. He said, when sun nor stars did not appear for many days. So it's like, we woke up in the morning, there was no sun. We went to bed at night, there was no star. For many days. So it meant that it started on day one. You were praying. Then on day two you were praying. Sakaraba, shakataraba. On day three you were praying. Sakaraba, sakataraba. And you know inside your carnal mind. You will begin to think that. At least in about four days. This thing day will change. Hallelujah. This one was not sharp sharp. They were still on it. They were day after day. You know what the writer said? He said, the sun nor stars did not appear for many days. He says, then all hope that we will be saved was taken away. That gives you a clue. When you are faced with a situation that has lingered for so long, then he said all hope was taken away that hope leaked because of the length of that situation do you see that and because that hope leaked those people will begin to think that god must have had an involvement in this no it wasn't god in that particular case was their disobedience But what did Paul do? Paul went to pray. Now when I say pray, now the proper prayer, not the kind that they were praying. That even when the sun or stars did not show up, they were already messed up. And when he came out of that prayer session, he said, The God whom I serve and whose I am has assured me that no life is going to be lost here, but we're going to lose the sheep. that is a classical example of someone who went within the veil to get a situation reversed on the outside and then he said to them now the situation had not changed, he said to them now guys, start eating, you guys haven't eaten for so many days start eating now we are okay, start rejoicing The guys didn't eat. Do you understand? What's going to make you not eat is a serious matter. After fasting for so many days that we lost count, and we now even put food in front of you, and you still said, "Mm, No. It wasn't a joke. Hallelujah. But Paul knew what to do. He understood the holy place. He understood the holiest of all. Went in there and secured a reversal. And came out and announced the verdict. And the outside responded to the inside. Many of us are chasing outer court experiences. If you have a situation today and something has not happened on the inside of you, And you are relying on me To do something for you On the outside That's an outer court experience And it's not going to last And that's why we're here Because the veil was rent Into twain And all of us now have access To what is going on in there Say to yourself I have access access. Into the holiest of all Demand demand for a reversal reversal. of any contrary situation situation. on on the outside. That situation appeared to be extremely formidable. Hallelujah. It had involvement of the king somehow, so you begin to think that it had God's involvement in it. No. It was Satan. But then there is nothing you can do on the outside to change it. Then you go on the inside to get something done. And that was what Esther did. She went on the inside and demanded for a reversal of something that was already cast in stone. Hallelujah. So next time they send you letters... You can reverse them. Hallelujah. The doctor gives you a piece of paper, you can reverse it. The doctors told us then. They said, um, We've done our studies. One fallopian tube completely missing. The other one blocked. Only way out for you IVF. And we walked out of the place and we said thank you for your diagnosis we walked out of the place my wife asked me did you hear what the doctor said i said i heard what the doctor said but we are going to say our own because the bible says that we have what we say, not what he said do you understand that is within the veil. Hallelujah. Those are your experiences within the veil. Now, that speech will be coming out of something, the word of God, that is on the inside of you, within the veil. So, right there at the hospital, she did the speaking. That we're coming back and we are going to have a baby. She did all the speaking and then we left. This was the beginning of March 2005. March 18th was the last time she saw her period. Before Lian was born. Do you understand? And that is how we treat situations in our homes. If there is a verdict, we react against it. Why? Because it is on the outer court. It was the doctor who said it is on the outer court. Hallelujah. Amen. If you have access to what Esther had access to, it can change. That situation appeared to have been casting stone. But guess what? As soon as Esther obtained that reversal inside, from the outside, everything that Haman did began to go wrong. And you see, there is what we call momentum, spiritual momentum. As soon as he took the first step wrong, and he got back to his family, what did they say to him? They said, hey, if Mordecai be of the seed of the Jews, before whom you have begun to fall. (laughs) Ah, la, 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 la. (laughs) Before whom you have begun to fall that's Your downward journey Has already started <laughs> said know that You are a goner. <laughs> That's It's all over Just forget it So they aptly informed him That it's all over for you man Just forget it, you are gone And that's exactly what happened He was gone That situation was reversed, completely reversed. So the holiest of all is what I call a place of total reversal. If there is anything that is pushing you to the wall on the outside, if there is anything that you've prayed, you've done everything, and it's like this thing appears formidable. It doesn't appear like it's going to change. Just know that Your experience In the holiest of all Is The place where you are going to Demand for the reversal And once you've demanded for your reversal And you've come out You announce to that Outer court situation That thus saith the Lord And you speak the word of God To it Hallelujah Like that promotion story I was talking to you about It happened in January I got home that night and I was just thanking God. Lord, I thank you for all that you've done in my life. Thanking God for various things. And then I brought out my scriptures and then I prayed. And after that prayer, I told God, I said, Lord, there isn't going to be a second prayer about this. Because I have this letter reversed. As from today, I would only thank you and I would only speak words into that situation. You understand so every day when i wake up i open my window just to practice it and give me the visualization in the name of jesus i lose my angels go forth to that office and rearrange this thing so i'm saying it every day look you've done all that second day nothing happened third day nothing happened fourth day nothing happened 31 days later nothing happened February 1st, nothing happened. February 2nd, nothing happened. The man who was behind it said that he wasn't going to bulge. He, he, he vowed that he wasn't going to change that list. He vowed to my boss that he wouldn't change that list. And my boss was saying that, what are we going to do? And I said I wasn't going to touch it in the flesh. So I, didn't, I said, well, I don't know what to suggest to you. <laughs> and I was doing my own thing. March, it did not change April, it did not change you see, doesn't it appear formidable? after 4 months of doing the same thing, nothing has happened May we just walked into the office one day, just one day that was like any other day and then we saw the list said the list that was pinned in January was done in error this is the real one I said, thank you. Hallelujah. But that decision, that reversal was obtained by one visit. And after that visit, I was out proclaiming to the outer court the victory that I obtained in the inner court. Hallelujah. And that's what we're going to discuss for the rest of this seminar. Is how do we go and present ourselves as the holiest of all to obtain a reversal of what Haman is doing outside. That's what we're here to study. And the moment you know and you're sure you can do that, you will no longer be an outer court Christian. An outer court Christian is one who has to rely on other people for his experiences to change. You are not relying on your access into the holiest of all. An outer court Christian is one who believes more in the efficacy of another person's prayer above his own. You know when you are faced with a trouble or you are faced with a situation and you know this situation is real and is dangerous. You want to pull out your most powerful shot that I have to use my most powerful shot against this one. Now, if your most powerful shot is not your own prayer, then you are operating in the outer court. And you see, the challenge with operating in the outer court is that there are situations that the outer staying in the outer court alone cannot deal with. Hallelujah. If, if, if Mordecai and Esther had been playing around in the outer court with that situation, do you think it would have changed? It would never have changed. They had to go into the inner court. So when we say the veil was rent into twain, that place is now open to all of us. It's no longer the exclusive preserve of the high priest, it's no longer the exclusive preserve of the pastor. Everyone now has access into the holiest of all. Hallelujah. Even up to your little children. Amen. When when my daughter says, there's something here, we say, talk to it. Speak to it. One day we were going at Lakeside. I was holding her hands and said, oh, the, the wind is too much, Dad. I said, you know what to do. Wind... In Jesus' name. Stop! (laughs) So you train yourself to react from the inner court against the outer court. Hallelujah. So we'll stop here for session one. And we'll continue with ministering unto the Lord in session two. Because, you know, the Bible says that, you know, you should... um, you know come to his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. And if you remember, um, that lady, um, Herod's daughter, you know, when she went to dance in front of Herod, what did Herod say to her? Said anything you ask for up to the half of my kingdom, right? And when Esther too came in, what did the king say up to the half of my kingdom? So it means that that woman dancing in the presence of Herod, provoking half of the kingdom, was a type of us coming into God's presence with praise. Because when Solomon, when Solomon offered sacrifices unto God, what did God say? Anything you want, bring. And your praise is a sacrifice. So when you offer the sacrifices of praise... You open up everything about the kingdom of God to operate in your life. Hallelujah. So these are things we'll be looking into in the second session. Did you get something out of the first session? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. Lord, we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.